Welcome to the Nurses for Healthy Environments podcast. My name is Beth Shank, nurse scientist and sustainability leader in Missoula, Montana. On this podcast, I interview nurses working at the intersection of health and environment. And today our guest is Debbie Wilson, sustainability officer for Counties Manukau District Health Board in Auckland, New Zealand. Welcome to the podcast, Debbie. Hey, thank you so much. I'm very happy to be here. Well, tell us a bit about yourself and your nursing background and how you got involved in sustainability. Hey, okay. Um, Well, I started off a very many years ago as a registered mental nurse and then became a registered general nurse over in the UK where I was born and I worked in uh, mental health nursing for a number of years and shifted over to general and worked in critical care Um, and then moved over to New Zealand about 10 years ago actually now in 2008 and I initially worked in the critical care area in the critical care area and as a nurse educator And whilst I was working as the nurse educator about eight years ago, I started reading a little bit more about things that interested me beyond nursing. Um, And I started reading about environmental work. And this was very interesting um, on a personal level and became very interesting on a professional level. So then actually then developed into an academic interest. So I started my doctorate clinical doctorate at AUT, Auckland University of Technology. Um, And then I started thinking, okay, this would be very interesting to explore on a much deeper level. And lo and behold, um, a small group of us as um, very interested clinicians got together, probably about 2011, and shared our frustrations, having understood that, you know, other hospitals and healthcare systems some in New Zealand, but many um, international organisations were actually really active in this space of working sustainably within the healthcare sector. So we actually thought we should be doing a lot more here, Um, especially given when I moved over to New Zealand, I really thought New Zealand was green and clean and pure, and some some of it is, um, but actually a lot of it isn't. So there was a big disconnect there, and it was reasonably uh, a reasonable source of frustration for many of us um, with you know working on the floor talking to doctors and nurses allied health you know everybody that I came into contact with they were reasonably frustrated as well so we got together as a small group of very interested clinicians and went to see our CEO at the time it was a different CEO then and, and just said look we, we want to do something about this we'd done a bit of research we thought what we need to be doing is actually measuring the impact of our day-to-day activities and measure that in a, as a carbon emission. And we then need to actually put a range of interventions in place, for example, waste minimization and looking at supply chain and um, reducing energy and water consumption. For, uh, there's a whole raft of examples, as you know. And, yeah, then we could actually put some interventions in place and we needed to measure again to make sure that what we did made a difference, not just in terms of financial savings, but in the social sphere and in the environmental sphere. So I actually was really lucky at the time. In 2012, I I started up as the first sustainability officer for our organisation in a seconded role, which correlated with the date, the year that I started my doctorates. So 
hey, I realise I can talk quite a lot, can't I, <laughs> Beth? But, um, so the doctorate started and I focused on sustainable healthcare practice, um, specifically on waste minimisation. And since then, um, our programmes really developed and, I, and I'm still in this role as a permanent position now. And we're measuring our footprint as we go. And there's a whole lot of activities that we're engaged in. So that's kind of how I got into it. So I started off being a nurse. <laughs> that's terrific. And are you finished with your doctorate? Well, you know what? I'm almost finished. Um, my thesis is, it's been kind of how long is a piece of string for me? Because I've worked full time, got four kids and done this. This would be the sixth year part time now, all up. So yeah, this is it's in the final kind of editing um, stage now. I'm hoping, rather hoping, it's almost finished. The oh, research wow. is finished. Yeah, so. that's terrific, and congratulations in advance on that. So tell do tell us a little bit more about your research that you did for your doctorate. Yeah, so the project was basically a thought because it kind of tied in very much with my day job, and all the evidence suggested from. Um, doing this extensive literature review and looking at managing the program anyway. The evidence suggests that you start with low-hanging fruit. So waste minimization and recycling is kind of one, considered one of, one of the areas that you should really start because it's quite cheap to implement. It, it really does um, get a lot of people in, interested and it gets people going because <laughs> they don't want to see all that waste going in the, in the landfill and they really it does frustrate them. So I thought what a great place to actually start in terms of our program and, and also it gave me the opportunity to, to develop a, a research project around that. So my research was basically a mixed methods um, approach and basically evaluated the effectiveness of our recycling program, but not just looking at the organisation-wide waste volumes in terms of general waste, medical waste, all the different recycling streams that we initiated here but also the um, viewpoints of the end users of the program. So I was very interested in to see if there was, um, those results were augmented each other. Or I was also interested in finding out what the barriers and obstacles were, if there were any, you know, to find out what the people that actually used the program felt. And it was a time series design, so it kind of measured the change initiative and the impact of the change initiative over a 12-month period. Um, so it's very interesting to kind of see, and, and I think the key findings, aside from the revealing, of course, yes, there are financial and environmental savings of rolling out recycling in, within your organisation, actually it really matters to people. They really need to be doing this, not just for the environment and not just for your finances, but because there's a social, really strong social element. And I think that's an important finding that hopefully I'll have some time to publish um, further on down the track. That's really great. And did you did you discover that through your interviews, or did you use a particular tool to measure the social uh, impacts on people, whether it was hmm. satisfaction or um, yeah, yeah? How did you measure yeah, that? Yeah, so it was a I use a quantitative, uh, mostly quantitative, but within the survey, which I I, I developed a survey tool based, you know, used was guided from the literature and other surveys. And within the survey, there were two open-ended questions, and that generated a whole heap, a wealth of data, qualitative data, and allowed people to fill in quite a lot of information around what you know what they felt went well, or any. Basically, asked them to 
add comment around the waste minimization recycling program and add comment about the green program because it kind of can't just talk about recycling you know you can't reduce it down to one thing can you in environmental work it's actually a very complex set of behaviors and once you um, I suppose influence one area it does lead on to other pro-environmental behaviors which is one of the reasons again why you start with things like recycling um, so the there was a I had to basically analyze um, thematically analyze the qualitative aspect of the survey I did actually um, get the permission, the consent from respondents. Um, if, if needed, I was going to interview them, but actually I had a heap of information that I didn't need to progress to interviews. Um, and the quantitative aspect um, of the survey basically asked um, people if they felt they could recycle more, over, you know, and then compared the pre and post because the same people answered the survey. So it was kind of interesting to see how they um, evaluated the progress over the time or if there wasn't any progress and or what areas progressed and what didn't because I pretty much knew uh, I had a good feel of it myself but it was good to see if those kind of my perception matched with what was happening as well so it's quite an interesting thing to do because it wasn't um, it was a clinical doctorate so you know the doctorate's um, steeped with the work the day job so you're very much intertwined with it which is not the traditional way of doing research so that was another interesting aspect of the whole thing yeah it sounds really really interesting and valuable it's i imagine other sustainability uh, managers and coordinators would love that opportunity but be, but don't have it but because you're in school you were able to really weave those two um areas of your life together and I agree with you. It's really important to have a measure and some evidence about how important this is to people, people who work there, people who may come Mm -hmm. in. I don't know if you ever, if you talk with patients or families at all, Uh, we get some feedback about that, that people really appreciate what we're doing in terms of trying to help protect the environment. Yeah, that's phase two. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. Thank you for sharing about that. I wanted to go back to something you said. I just jotted down in that uh, I wanted to clarify and ask you, when you're measuring your Im- the impacts of your hospital or your, your, mm. your district health, I don't quite know how you're organized, but that's okay. You mentioned you're measuring impact in terms of carbon emission. Do you, um, how much do you focus on carbon and greenhouse gas emissions? Do you use that as your sort of uh, denominator or or do you tell me about how you measure that yeah um, well right from the very start coming from a clinical background and working with um, some um, clinical other clinical leaders like senior medical officers and quality coordinator so actually we, we really value and saw the value of using data and and, and when we did our research and then knowing, I'm so glad, I'm so pleased that we did focus on carbon emissions. Um, looking back, but when we started, it was kind of like one of those almost taboo subjects. You know, climate change, um, greenhouse gases, anthropogenic climate change wasn't something that you discussed in your everyday practice. But we we were quite keen to do. We we recognised the um, the impact then of global warming and the and the uh, you know, the fact that we are, as humans, we're driving that change. Um, we really needed to focus on carbon emissions. But how that translated in the early days was kind of the focus was given less to that. It was more on the practicalities of your day-to-day practice. You know, we focused and to get kind of people interested, 
we, we talked about waste. We talked about wasting energy. We talked about wasting stuff. You know, we use so many things. And as you know, in the healthcare sector, there's a lot of single-use items. There's so many gloves and boxes and, oh, my gosh, and plastic absolutely everywhere. So we focus a lot on stuff and materials, which obviously lent itself uh, a way into looking at the supply chain generally, because, you know, if you want to work on recycling and waste reduction, then you've got to start upstream and you've got to look at what's in your contracts and start being a little bit more savvy and asking your suppliers what your, what the materials are made of, because can the packaging be reduced? You know, is there a reusable option? So carbon has been our baseline we used um we've used a certified third-party audited process to measure our carbon based on um, our main emission sources and we use that as our annual tracking mechanism but within that um and because of that we were able to um define which areas within which made up our carbon footprint we will work on and that kind of um, defined the projects and then each year that kind of gives you the basis to measure, roll out some projects and then re-measure and to see the impact of that in, in terms of carbon. But, you know, as far as the bringing up the term carbon and climate change, that, that that's actually happening more and more now, um, which is awesome, which is, again, why we're so glad that we did focus on that in 2012 when we did our first measurement. Um, so it was an interesting one. We did have a bit of a discussion about that, but we really believed that we needed to focus on carbon emissions and we really needed to bring those down. Um, and again, we were very keen to even um, step out into the unknown by doing that. <laughs> and we're very pleased we've done that. Uh, and of course, we really do need to be carbon neutral by 2050, um, all of us, if we want to preserve what we have now and in, going into the future. Right. And I mean, of course, it's not all about carbon, you know, but it is part of it. It's a big part of it. You bet. And do, mm. do you include, in terms of your hospital um, emissions, do you include scope one, two, three? Do you include supply yeah. chain and food? Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Well, as far as we can, I mean, scope one and two, scope one, twos, and threes, yeah. Um, based on the Kyoto Protocol, and we're guided because we use the Certified Emissions Measurement and Reduction Scheme, which is a uh, one of the many programs that Enviromax Solutions provide. That's a New Zealand-based company, a subsidiary of um, the New Zealand government, Landcare Research, and they offer they offered a whole suite of programs, and, and we chose CMARS because when we started, we thought, you know, we can measure and manage down our footprint. There is a program that they offer, which is Carbon Zero, um, but we thought, A, right at the very start we wouldn't possibly be able to get carbon zero <laughs> and and b we just thought to be able to get carbon zero we would have to offset a remarkable amount which would be a huge cost i'm not saying that's not the way to go um, there's a lot of things around offsetting that you could there's another discussion but we just thought you know we need we're starting off we need to measure our footprint and we need to put some things in place to bring that footprint down so cmas for us the measurement and reduction scheme just really resonated and seemed like a really good process. So we look at our uh, main emission sources, scope one, two and three, and we've included a little bit more into the supply chain as and when we've been able to. So we don't actually capture as much as, say, the NHS um, do. 
they've got a 60% at least of their um, carbon footprint from the NHS falls down into procurement. I'd say it is a bit greater for us, given we are very isolated. We cannot manufacture or deal with many things in New Zealand. We do have to rely on our international suppliers a lot. Mm-hmm. So I can imagine our, the carbon footprint of our kind of stuff and the things that we need is a lot higher, actually. Um, but the, the, also the, the way that we can measure that and the emission factors is less developed systems over here compared to the UK where they use the DEFRA system. Um, so, But we are developing that more and more. Um, and as we were the first district health board in Australasia to, to measure and manage their carbon in this way, we've also been able to kind of be really engaged in kind of leading the and being involved in creating the change required for, and for more DHBs to get involved. So to give you an idea, in New Zealand, there are 20 district health boards that cover the whole of New Zealand. So we're one of 20 and we're one of the largest. Now, in the Auckland region, there are four district health boards and all of those, each of those four um, measure their carbon in the same way now. They're CMR certified. So what, when we first started, we were the only one. But now what we've been doing is really pushing forward and, and encouraging that all of us measure using the same way. And then we can benchmark against each other. We use the same assumptions. Of course, we've got different sized hospitals and we've got different floor areas and we offer different services. But we can, you know, just be very open and say, look, you know, we're most we're tertiary, 800 plus beds. Um, this is our number of full time equivalent staff and this is our floor area. Then we can actually break down our carbon emissions based on the, those KPIs I mentioned. And for us all to be able to do that, then we can actually measure the impact we all, we all are having. So that's a work in progress as well. Um, so we're part of a kind of national team um, creating the change. That's terrific. And do you find this also occurring in other businesses or is the health sector leading in New Zealand? Um, there are lots of, fortunately, we're not the only ones. It's, it's there's so much um, growth in this area now. We've, we have a new government. Well, it's 12 months now since we've had our new government, the coalition government. And the changes have been incredible. Um, you know, climate change has been driven right to number one as one of the top priorities. Mm-hmm. And so there's a whole there's going to be a zero carbon bill announced maybe this month or next. Um, and yeah, the impact that or the the impact of the healthcare sector is it's quoted to be between three and eight percent of a whole country's emissions. For New Zealand, it's likely to be three or four percent. We're guessing. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of other businesses actively engaged in this in this area, and they have been for many years, which is great. But we kind of we we do work cross sectorally as well as um, cross regionally. That's Which really, is good. We need to yeah. do that. <laughs> you bet. That's just fantastic. And it's great to hear how it's well-coordinated and so that you're able to compare apples to apples across even the health sector, which yeah. is not is definitely not the case in the U.S., I would say, though it's moving that way more, um, at least amongst the leader organizations. Of course, yeah. So let me, let me so good. go back in, in time and just ask you, since this is a podcast about nurses and environment, I do, do you think of yourself as using your nursing skills, your nursing assessment, uh, education skills in terms of translating information, or 
in other words, does nursing influence your work currently, do you think? Oh, big time. I I was a nurse from the age of 18 until 40 plus. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just I am a nurse. I can't think in any other way. And then nursing equips you to do a whole, ha- a whole reap of, of jobs and the approach you take is kind of just something that become, comes natural, doesn't it, after you've been doing it for so long? So, I mean, the, my educate, you know, I was, as nurses are, they they are educators. They they advocate for for others. They are they stand up for what's what's right. And this for me was just a natural transition, a natural progression. And rather than thinking about my patient and my family, it's now more my patient, family, and community. Um, so it's a natural step um, and just kind of increasing the scope of what what we do as a nurse basically so it resonates totally and this is this is nursing absolutely the planet's sick and this is a nurse every day um and and you know using the process of nursing um yeah i mean everything that i do when i'm thinking about the projects because i manage many projects um, so you know, nurses work in research, education, management. So it's just one one of those examples of of many, many, many other nurses, and it's the topic happens to be sustainability. Does your work uh, go into the clinical area? I mean, that both physically sure and does in theory. Sure does. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which is awesome. Um, so we we run. Um, I suppose it's a very clinical-led program, I'd say, very much so. So we've always believed that um, it's really important to foster engagement for a start. But it's also important to listen to each area's, um, how they see things, how, what, are their, what are important to them. Um, so we always start off with... Um, kind of recruiting green teams and clinical champions. That's how we started way in the early days. And we've got a number of clinical champions and green teams. And we just tried to replicate that basically because it's worked so well. So critical care were and amongst the first of the green teams um, with radiology and women's health and theatres and then more recently emergency care. So once you've got a number of clinical champions that have volunteered then you get in there and you get invited to join team meeting that's where you can kind of discuss with all the different levels from the manager to the staff nurse to the all the professions as well the docs and the allied health and the cleaners you know what this is what we can do are you interested is what bothers you you know in terms of you know I'll I'll give an introduction to practicing sustainable health care and what that covers and talk about the um, carbon footprint and then all the different things that kind of fall from that and then just get them to kind of feedback and it's it's always resounding yes we want to recycle yes we want to look at all the things that we buy and try and rationalize it and yes you know we're so frustrated by all the lights being left on so it's kind of commonalities in 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 and and definite positivity um and then that's the way in and that's then you, you know they start with those clinical champions, you start planning um, a project around, you know, implementation project around, we always start with recycling. So I'll do waste audits and look at what kind of waste they've got and ask them what they want to recycle, basically, and uh, tell them what we can offer in terms of what 
the hospital services can offer in terms of you know what what can be taken away and we do waste counts before and after to give them an idea of um, financial and environmental impacts of their interventions the likely outcomes and then from then on once you've done that you then kind of have regular meetings maybe quarterly we go along and they say right what's next on what do you want to do next and they kind of say well for instance they want to look at their linen use or they want to get away from single-use cups um, and then you do a bit of a cost analysis on what they're spending and then do an intervention and then show them what they say. So that kind of thing has been very, it's involved a lot of interaction with the clinical areas and then going on to the, the different areas and because each area is different, right? You know, in what patient flows, the space they've got and the products they use and the opportunities may have common streams but they present kind of different approaches um, which is really exciting so you love it so different areas have got green team boards now and you know they have the guys kind of upgrade the green team board every now and again and the focus might be this week on travel the next month or the next couple of months might be on um, supply chain and thinking about the ethical impact of what they what we use and so it's really exciting and I'm usually then just kind of I hold their hand for a bit and then they're off and yeah they're off and running it's really good <laughs> yeah that's terrific it's a great way to engage people I, yeah. I also I wanted to go back also to something else you said that early on you uh, maybe after you moved to New Zealand you realized your frustration um, mm. with environmental, you know, with environmental practices, I guess. Mm. But I, I want to think, go back a little bit earlier as to how do you think you got that sensitivity and that sensibility? Did you, is that something you grew up with? Why, why has it bothered you when it didn't bother everyone? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I think it's when you, I mean, when I became a mum, Maybe I got a little bit more aware of things like that. And then maybe I also tied it. I moved to New Zealand with young kids. Um, my baby was one and a half then and I have four. My eldest was about five. Um, so I got here and maybe I was expecting, hey, we're in New Zealand. It's going to be so eco. And I was really interested in good nutrition and um, being you know, really interested in exercise and emotional intelligence and stuff. So I've always been a little bit that way inclined. Um, but I think it just came to my awareness and all kind of lined up. And then it also tied in with the time where I was working as an educator. And I just felt like I needed to do something. I wanted to do something across the organization rather than being in critical care. I wanted to kind of, I was really interested in strategy and policy. So it, I suppose everything kind of lined up and then decided read and I also wanted to do a doctorate at some stage so then I found the clinical doctorate and it all kind of lined up and I thought you know what I think it might be time to just start you know looking into something a little bit different that was fulfilling a personal a personal goal and it also helped create because um, it was a new role here for our organization so it created the space to try something different um and also to create the change because we you know we we set the whole program up really I say we because there's a, a core group of senior clinicians that I, I represent basically um their interests and we still meet so there's a 
clear governance structure around what we do. You know, it's not just me and that's it. You know, everybody's, there's a lot of people involved. And of those, there's a core group of about 10 or 12 people that have been in since the start. Um, and they're very heavily in, invested in this program and heavily involved. That's so it just kind of was a whole heap of things that lined up, I suppose, yeah. that's the well, answer. <laughs> it sounds like it was meant to be. I think so, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so this next question is very much related. Do you have difficulty staying motivated? And, and, or I should say, what does motivate you? I mean, I think you just said a lot of what does, but if you're feeling a bit overwhelmed or there's so much to do and it feels like climbing a giant hill, how do you stay yeah. motivated for this? That's a really good question. Um, yeah, I mean, we've got a, I have a really good support network um, professionally and at home. So we've got a, a growing team of sustainability leads across the, across New Zealand, across the healthcare sector, and we're a very close-knit group. We're on telephone, um, we can t call each other up at any point, email each other. Um, so that's that's really helped, because uh, initially there was only two of us in the whole of New Zealand when I first started. Um, so I really did lean very heavily on my colleague at the time, who's now left, but she was there for a couple of years before I started, so that was really cool. Otherwise, you just you just got to keep thinking. What what is it that you're doing? Why are you doing it? It doesn't take me long to get remotivated because it's it's so important doing this work. I mean, it's just we wouldn't have anything else if we all just kind of let the climate carry on as it is, let the world carry on as it is. Um, so I think it's just it's super important, and and the fact that every action counts that's what's so good it's not I mean it's not just about um, the policy the government it's actually what everyone does and there's a huge um, shift and people are more interested in mindfulness they're much more considered people want to do things the right way and they're, they're asking a lot more questions now that we never used to ask you know people are asking where their gloves coming from and that's great that's what you want it's not just what's this going to cost you know, that, that's not, not going to get us in. That's what's got us into this trouble. <laughs> so that keeps me going because people are really, really keen to do things a lot better. Yeah. And then well, I look at my kids and that's it. Pff, say no more. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds, sounds like your work is aligned with your values and your interests. And that's a wonderful, sweet spot. How lucky. Yeah, it's yeah. wonderful. Well, you've, you've worked hard to get it that, that way. So yeah. congratulations. <laughs> So is there something that you would like to say about any of this? If you had, if you could just have the whole world hear you right now, yeah. what would you say to them about our environmental crisis or about what we should be doing? Yeah, I think, um, you know what, we, we really are not doing enough. Or we're not doing enough and we're not doing it quickly enough. So just keep on pushing, you know, every single action counts on this how you live your life that this is it's not just what you do at work it's what you do at home it's it's every single thing that you purchase every decision you make you know just you've got to get engaged got to think and start asking questions and every interaction is an opportunity to really question you know what what do you value and um, I think it's just so it's just an, it's an awakening actually 
So be compassionate, be kind, be mindful and be considered. Those are the key words that I put down and that's so true. And I think if you can be be all of those, you'll make such a big difference. That's a lovely thought and, and thank you for that. Well, Debbie, it's been great to talk with you today. I know I've already taken over a half hour of your time. Is there anything else you'd like to say that we didn't have a chance to talk about? Hey, I just wanted to say that this, you know, working in this sector now and in this space for, for a number of years, I've just seen how valuable it is for us all to join together. And to, I mean, part of the Global Green Healthy Hospitals Network, and I've been to Clean Med and Oh, man, it's so inspiring. There's so many people out there doing some amazing things. And that's what you've got to always remind yourself as well. That makes all the difference. So don't feel like it's never, nothing's possible because everything's possible. I'll just finish on a really good note there. Yeah, that's terrific. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, thank you, Debbie. And to all you who are listening, thank you for listening to the Nurses for Healthy Environments podcast. Check us out at environ.org, that's E-N-V-I-R-N, which is the Annie website, the Alliance of Nurses for Healthy Environments. And you can listen to many other episodes there. Um, Also, if you have a chance, please leave a review for us wherever you get your podcasts. Talk to you next time.